The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Glenn Engler. Get ready to hear perspectives on social media and digital marketing that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and thought leaders today. Now, now, please welcome your host, a Fortune 500 industry figure in the marketing and communications world for more than 25 years and chief executive officer of Digital Influence Group, the host of Market Edge, Glenn Engler. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group, a full-service digital marketing agency that helps companies unlock the social potential of their brands and amplify its impact to drive business results. Today, I'll be talking about private online customer communities with Diane Hessen, President and CEO of Communispace, a company that generates game-changing insights via private online customer communities. A pioneer in creating online communities to help marketers deeply engage customers, Diane helped found Communispace in 1999. Today, Diane leads Communispace's employees in building and managing the more than 500 private online customer communities the company has created for a marquee list of global corporations. Communispace's revenues have tripled over the last four years, and the company enjoys a 90-plus percent client retention rate. Diane has spent her 30-year career helping companies become customer-focused and is co-author of the best-selling book, Customer-Centered Growth, Five Strategies for Building Competitive Advantage. A sought-after industry expert and speaker, Diane has received a number of awards for her leadership in workplace innovation, including Ernst & Young's Regional Entrepreneur of the Year and the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce's Entrepreneur of the Year. Diane also sits on the boards of organizations like the Advertising Research Foundation, the Business Innovation Factory, the Progressive Business Leaders Network, the Mass Technology Leadership Council, Horizons for Homeless Children, the Boston Philharmonic, Stanford Children, and the Tufts Alumni Council. You can connect with Diane at Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Communispace CEO. It's great to have another Tufts Jumbo on Market Edge, Diane. Welcome. That's right. Go Jumbos. Hi, Glenn. <laughs> so, Thanks so much for joining me. And for those who are listening who may be unfamiliar with Communispace, can you tell us a little bit about the company? Sure. Um, we have been around for about 10 years. I always say before anybody knew that you could uh, use uh, the web to, to listen to consumers and before social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, we basically help major brands listen to the voices of their consumers, customers, non-customers, uh, and uh, to, by listening to that, help them gain insight and take action based on that, and as a result, be more innovative, grow faster, be more effective at their marketing, or whatever else. We do that by building these online communities, uh, as you've said, and um, we basically are pretty much a full-service firm, so we work largely with big corporations or with big corporations via their agencies. 
uh, and essentially do all of the heavy lifting related to building these communities and managing them and make sure that, making sure that clients uh, are feeling a lot of success as a result. So when you guys started this, as you said, 10 years ago before a lot of the social media stuff, what was the vision then? And give a quick view of um, some of the things that have changed in the last decade. Sure. Well, you know, when we started Communispace, uh, it was, I mean, it's so hard to think about this now, but it wasn't that long ago that we were thinking about the Internet and what it would mean for our lives and our businesses. And when we started Communispace right around uh, the turn of the century, everyone talked about the three C's, content, commerce, and community. So, of course, as, as you well know, content was, um, you're not going to believe this, but everything, all knowledge will be online. Uh, and you'll be able to get onto your computer and have at your fingertips whatever information you want. You won't even need an encyclopedia anymore. We all thought that was incredible, and of course it pretty much turned out to be true. And uh, the second C was commerce, and commerce meant that we would all use the web to buy things. And people would talk about bricks and clicks. They'd say Walmart.com was going to be bigger than Walmart and so on. You know, that hasn't all totally turned out to be true. Uh, there are a lot of physical retail stores that are very successful, but e-commerce has obviously turned into a huge industry. And then, of course, the third C was community. And the idea w there was that we would all use the web to interact with and have conversations with each other. And our vision was that we would leverage the power of the Internet and its ability to accelerate and enrich conversations. Um, and we would take all of that power and use it to essentially help businesses. Um, we didn't exactly, we, we did a couple of, you know, what, what they call the, in startup land, they call it pivots now. We didn't have the exact same idea uh, then as we did now. But the vision really was similar, which was that uh, converse, two-way conversations were going to be absolutely critical for lots of functions, not the least of which was marketing. And that if we could help companies figure out how to harness that and master it, that it could be a really big deal. Mm. By the way, I love the phrase accelerate and enrich conversations. It's so great, so crisp. So before yeah. we get into a little bit more of the, the details in the community, which I know people are going to be really interested in, what's the day in the life of the CEO of Communispace? Give us a sneak peek <laughs> into the day in the life of Diane. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, on paper, I mean, if, if you think about the formal role that I have, I mean, most of my responsibilities these days fall into a couple of categories. Obviously, I'm supposed to be the person helping uh, create and set the direction and priorities of the organization. Um, it's my job to make sure we have a really great leadership team and to uh, hire and, and develop uh, and inspire those people. Um, I obviously have to focus a lot of time on just building our marketplace presence and I do spend a lot of time out there with clients and their senior executives. People are really happy here when I'm out of the office. Um, <laughs> we got pretty, you know, we got pretty aggressive growth objectives. So sometimes it's just the blocking and tackling of of making that happen. And then, of course, I kind of feel like I'm the chief culture officer. I mean, you know, we we have this very cool technology, but 
when I talk to our clients and, you know, why they're happy with us, they very often talk about our people. And so when you're in this kind of service business where your people are such a big element of your quality, um, you have to spend a lot of time creating a culture and a work environment where they feel like they can, you know, do their best work. Now, I will say that's all of, you know, the big formal stuff. Um, I just got back from two weeks in China and uh, I created this program while I was away. I was away for 10 business days. So I sent a note out to the company. I said, look, you know, I'm so indispensable. I think we've got to have somebody sitting in my, sitting in my office and, you know, giving orders uh, while I'm away. And so uh, we had 10 people volunteer to be CEO for the day. And uh, I gave everybody a budget. Like they had to tell me what they would do. And then I picked 10 people. And uh, they each had a budget of $25. And they could do whatever they want, sit in on whatever meetings, meet with whatever people. You know, they could order everyone around. They could change policy for the day or whatever. And I think most of them spent a lot of their time just, you know, kind of sitting in my office, in, in my office with their feet up on my desk, you know, telling, <laughs> telling my assistant to get them lunch, you know, calling people up on the phone and saying, I'd like to see you in my office right away because, you know, I have, so they didn't fire anybody. They didn't really mess things up, but it was very interesting. And most of them spent uh, a significant portion of their time walking the halls and trying mm. to understand uh, everybody's perspective on various issues. So it was great to get all those reports. And do you now have a review board of 10 people that will tell you exactly what to do going uh, forward? Uh, no, we got 400 employees, and I'd say 395 of them <laughs> like to do that. The, the, power of, the power of community space. So right, yes, be, care, be careful if, if, you, if you say that you want to practice what you preach and you know, make sure you're kind of co-creating the future for your clients. I guess you have to, you have to model that internally. It's quite dangerous. I, I'll take that under advisement. I'm trying to figure out whether uh, that's something I want to launch. But, so um, I think the latest number I saw was that you guys have launched over 545 online communities for clients, which is a staggering number. Um, how yeah. do they, you know, how do you, how is each community developed with the client given their specific business and industry? Like what goes into that? How do you guys get that going? Yeah. Well, you know, most of the time, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's, um, there is an investment involved when you work with us. So the average client for us to build and manage a community for a major brand on an ongoing basis. It's about $25,000 a month. So it's not outrageously expensive, but it's enough of an investment where usually before the client even signs, they're pretty clear what they want to accomplish. Sometimes the agenda is really related to innovation with a capital I. They want to involve their consumers in creating new products or new positioning or new branding or, or sometimes it's um, we want to completely uh, rethink the way we do social media. Sometimes it's all of that, but it would be an innovation objective. Sometimes it's um, a very tactical objective just related to being uh, more effective uh, at various marketing initiatives or whatever, but, you know, uh, or it might be um, we want to uh, try to understand a brand new segment of customers that we haven't done business with before mm. or the like. So generally, we have a set of overall goals and very often clients will have multiple objectives, but that pretty much will drive um, 
what we call the facilitation plan or, or generally what we're trying to find out with consumers. Now, once clients kind of get the customer experience, you know, we might say, all right, you're, uh, you want to involve your, um, you know, we're trying to get into a new market. Let's talk to these prospective new people. They may or may not be customers, and we'll put together a whole plan. Usually by month three, when the client sees the power of what's possible, when you kind of have a room full of 500 customers who are available to you in real time, mm. uh, the agenda starts to change. Other people in the organization see what's going on. We start adding more and uh, more varied uh, conversations to the plan. So it's great to be able to be flexible like that. You know, and then I think we're just going for better, faster, cheaper. I mean, better would be, are we hearing things from consumers that we haven't heard before uh, that are potentially game-changing or really inspirational or provocative for the organization that are also super actionable? So that would be better. You know, faster would be, um, you know, when you have an online community, you can literally get insight overnight. So, I mean, you know this and your clients know this. You know, you're sitting there, it's Monday morning, you're having a cup of coffee and, you know, all of a sudden the CEO walks in and says, well, you know, I went to a party on Saturday night. I got one person telling me the following and, you know, he thinks we ought to like totally redo all the stores or, 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 I mean, you get... Something like Saturday night input. (laughs) And sometimes the minute that you hear that, it like ruins your day. All of a sudden you got to go figure out how you're going to respond to that. And it's great to be able to look at that executive and say, you know, Charlie, that's really a brilliant idea. Let let me go find out what our consumers think about that. And I'll I'll get back to you by the end of the day. So sometimes faster uh, is what the client is looking for. And, you know, very often it's a combination of all of that. Yep. And um, how how do you guys recruit individuals for the community? Mm-hmm. Well, we've got about, I, I think it's about a 45-person team right now that is totally dedicated to recruiting and managing and making sure that our members are happy. So the client might say, oh, you know, We've already done a, you know, we think we know what market segments we're going after. We're really interested in these particular segments. And our team will then put together a plan for how to most quickly and uh, most inexpensively uh, identify people like that. Um, Most of the time, we're doing the recruiting online. Sometimes we might be buying email lists. Sometimes the client might have a list. We might be doing recruiting off of Facebook or Twitter uh, we might actually have to do it in person, especially if um, uh, you know if we're doing something where we're um, where we're helping a, a a client understand what a market is like, say in China, where they're particularly worried about is the person really a consumer. Um, we might have to actually do stuff in person, uh, but this team is unbelievable, and what they're really great at is you know they know how to write the email that captures somebody's imagination enough for them to. Uh, be able to be interested, and then we have various screeners uh, so that we can understand what's going on. But there, there's a whole recruiting process behind that, and and right. unbelievable, by the way. I love talking about recruiting uh, because the you know it used to be early in our business, people would say, "Well, I want to talk to uh, moms with kids, moms with little kids," 
or uh, I want to talk to young guys. This is uh, one of our first communities that we uh, really uh, got on the map from was uh, for Unilever when we helped them launch their Axe brand in the United yep. States. And the spec was, let's get young guys between the ages of 18 and 22 who like really love women. I mean, it was pretty <laughs> straightforward uh, to find those people. Um, now, like for one of our clients, uh, we just recruited a community of young ethnic males who wax their car by hand at least six times a year. Yeah, that's you know, a pretty tight spec. Just, that's a pretty tight spec. Or, you know, when we're working like in pharmaceutical where you have to have people who are suffering through a particular disease or whatever, yes. it gets a little trickier. Yeah. So I have a bunch of questions on where to go next, but we're going to take a very short commercial break. Please stand by. And we'll be right back with Diane Hessen and more of the conversation. Market Edge will return in just a moment. How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with SearchMetrics.com. That's SearchMetrics.com. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of Internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Start your search engine and put your servers into overdrive. It's webmasterradio.fm steering you into the winner's circle. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Glenn Engler. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Glenn Engler, and I'm here today with Diane Hessen, President and CEO of Communispace, talking about private online customer communities. Okay, so we talked about how the types of communities you set up and how you recruit, kind of fascinating as you get more and more specific. Talk a little bit, if you will, about some of the challenges of a B2B audience versus a B2C audience. And how do you think differently? Are there differences? Are the challenges different? 
Sure. So about, um, I'd say about 25% of our communities are B2B. So first of all, one of the things that's really different very often is the objective. So think about it. Um, if we have, um, ah, if we have 10 communities at craft, so we have, and they're all moms uh, of different things. If we had that and craft had 5,000 moms that we were talking to on a day-to-day basis, and those moms all went out and bought more macaroni and cheese because they loved the experience, Kraft wouldn't care very much because 5,000 is a low number for them. Very often in B2B, though, think about it. If, we, if you're a B2B organization and we're in day-to-day conversation with three or 400 really important customers, very often those customers are spending lots and lots of money. Right. Uh, their experience in your community could be the reason that they continue to do business with you or the reason that um, they're actually expanding their relationship with you. So the B2B clients are very, very concerned with and should be how their customers are managed, who is in there, what they're saying, and so on. Mm. Because these people are these people in B2B are really precious, and some of them are major clients. So I think that in the beginning, um, there there's a plan related to what we call managing the members. That is just. Uh, much uh, much more important to pay attention to in B2B. The second thing that's different is in B2B, you very often need technical expertise. So if we have a community of a bunch of um, IT managers uh, who are all focused on the security of their systems, we need to have some content expertise either at Communispace or at the client site uh, that can really help translate what those people are saying. Right. You know, there, are also, there are also so many things that are similar. So our participation rates in our communities are super high. Uh, the average participation rate that we have is about 70%, and that's not just going into the community and reading. That's actually 70% of the people in the community actually are going in and creating content. Wow. So you know that's part of our secret sauce. I will tell you that in B2B, the participation rates are just as high. As in B2B, it's really, yeah, so that's really quite remarkable. Now, their participation patterns are a little different. So in B2B, they're uh, more likely to come into the community less frequently, but when they are there, they'll stay longer. But (laughs) it's quite amazing that uh, everybody uh, loves having a voice, no matter how simple (laughs) or how complex the buy is. So you mentioned craft foods, and I know you've done work in pharma and financial services, and we're certainly seeing this a lot in digital and social media, but um, all of those industries are regulated in some shape or fashion. How do they think, do they think differently? How do you have to set up the communities or monitor them differently given the regulatory side? Yeah. Well, in I'd say that in financial services and pharma, we really face um, the biggest and uh, the biggest regulatory issues. And in fact, you know, we now have a way to do, you know, first of all, what you have to do is you have to really make friends with the legal people. Because when you start getting underneath what their concerns are, you know, if you have a pharma community and a patient reports an adverse event, and we don't report on it. I mean, the FDA could close the company down. Yeah. I mean, I'm in, in some pla- in some places, 
the um, legal issues. In some places, that might be exaggerating a bit, but there are very serious requirements for regulated industries. And so we've had to learn, you know, when you say we've done 545 communities or whatever, I will tell you that not all of those were successful. Not all of those were done really well. And, you know, you learn as you go that right. in regulated industries, um, you have to think about compliance you have to have um, members very, very clear about what they can talk about and not talk about up front. I mean, if you're in a financial services community, you just can't give investment advice. If you start giving investment advice, you're gone. You know, that's the deal. We promise right. not to kick you out for other reasons, but you just can't do that because we don't want to have to close the community down. Right. So we are much clearer up front. We have a lot more paperwork. And then some clients that are really worried do pay us to just monitor the conversations 24-7. Yep, makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So interesting. So you've talked a lot about the design, the mechanics, the differences. Um, pick, pick an example, if you will, one that's shareable. What's one of your favorite stories about uh, what you learned, what you thought you were going to hear or see or what's what's a great story just to bring everything to life for the listening audience oh my gosh well i uh, i have a million well, you know if people love stories we got a million stories on our website <laughs> but let me let me give you an easy one uh because I, I was just on the phone with a client and it's not the most sophisticated uh work that we've ever did but i think it's a, a great story about um uh, what can happen in our communities so um this is godiva and uh, we have a community a, a Godiva, uh, for Godiva of women uh, who uh, absolutely love chocolate. Um, actually, I think it's kind of half and half. Some who really love it and are addicted to it, and some who are more like me. We only have it like, I don't know, three or four times a week. <laughs> and um, one of the projects that we were engaged uh, uh, with Godiva in uh, was to understand how the women in this community entertained. And whether when they were serving dessert, they put candy out and how they made decisions about candy and where they put it and what bowls they put it in. And if you had to dive it, did you put it out in the gold box or did you take it out of the box and put it elsewhere? So we did a, proje we did a project over a series of weeks where people talked, people did journals of when they entertained friends, they did photographs and videos, and we were just really trying to understand overall the whole entertainment experience and how candy fit in and doing some special projects around that. So um, in the middle of that, one of the women consumers said, look, I've got to tell you, I think everything that everyone is reporting on here is really interesting, but true confessions, because we've all been in this community now for a while, we all know each other. I've got to tell you, I just would not put Godiva chocolates out for my friends. They're just not important enough. The friends. And the friends. <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny. Other people started jumping in here and basically saying, you know, I really do know how you feel. Sometimes I'll put the cheaper stuff out for my friends and I'll hoard my little gold box of Godiva oh, in so the kitchen. Funny. So I can have a little bit of it every day. Well, think about the ramifications for that. I mean, there you have a bunch of executives at Godiva sitting around the table saying, oh, my gosh, we've created a brand and a product line that is so valuable that people don't want to eat it. Um, and part of that conversation uh, that came out of that was 
uh, the genesis for the Godiva team's decision to create a brand new product line called Gems, which mm-hmm. if you know anything about Gems is um, sold in, you know, sometimes you can find gems sometimes in drugstores, but it's little pieces of individually wrapped candy. The packaging is, is not quite gold. Um, you don't have as much variety and as much creativity, but it's an opportunity to have something you can give to your friends or you have a little Godiva every day where it doesn't quite feel as precious. And it's been a hugely, hugely successful product line. And, you know, one of the things there's so much around that story, and um, uh, it's been written up in a lot of places. I think it was in Business Week also. And the Godiva team was so brilliant on this. But one of the things I love about the story is, you know, if you create an environment online where people kind of feel like you're listening to them and where they trust it, sometimes it's not about you know, doing a survey of 5,000 people and looking for statistically statistical significance. Sometimes, um, you know, as a researcher, what I would say is, what a client once said to me is, never underestimate the power of N equals 1. You know, that sometimes there's a lone voice or, or there's one comment or one thing that you hear from a client where you just say, that's really interesting. Let's dig into this a little more. And mm. they're more likely to say it when you're continuously connected to them rather right. than right. if they're just kind of filling out an online survey. Oh, that's such a great story. And actually completely makes sense from my own personal experience thinking about the good guy one. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> so um, yeah. a couple – a couple of last questions, and I want to go back to something you talked about earlier on of your role in the, um, the chief uh, cultural officer, and I've been fortunate not only to know you, but know many of your employees, and uh, you have taken such pride in uh, CommuniSafe as a place to work and consistently on the top of the charts of, in Boston, some of the best places to work. Uh, what are some of the factors that you think about contribute to that? Why is it such a magnet for people really happy with their job satisfaction? Hmm. Well, you're doing something right. I (laughs) think, yeah, you know, um, I think that our employees know that it's really, really strategically critical for us to create a great place to work. It's important for us from a values point of view, and our values are a really big deal, but it's also really important from a business point of view because we're positive it's tied to quality. I think we have a lot of flaws uh, in terms of what our work environment is like, but I think that our employees believe that we generally care about this and that we are constantly, I mean, we are constantly coming up with new ideas. Um, We're constantly looking for ways to make the experience better. You know, our people work really, really hard. And our expectation is that they're going to do that. And then they're going to come in every day and uh, they're going to give us all of their energy and what I call their best selves. And if people are going to do that, they should have high expectations about what they get in return. And I think People know that we're just trying to do that, even if we don't kind of deliver on it. I, I think we kind of get some authenticity points. It's great. So just before I let you go, um, one of the things I like to do with the guests is um, a quick speed round where I toss out a couple of technologies or some sort of trends and get a one or two word reaction first thing off uh, that, that comes into your mind. So um, 
let's start with Pinterest. Pinterest. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I loved it in the beginning, and now I'm running out of time. But yeah, interesting. I think, yeah, so I don't know. I'd say fad. Interesting. What about daily deals like Groupon or Living Social? Uh, I would sell Groupon short. Uh, I, I really would. And I, I love the idea, but I think it's really the problem for Groupon is that their customers who are, you know, the restaurants or whoever else are not, they're not getting more profitable and they're not getting a lot more loyal customers as a result of their deal with Groupon. And I think that's the code that they need to crack. Um, so I think they're doing a nice job with all of us. Uh, some of the deals are more interesting than others, but it, it's pretty simple for us to understand, but they got to crack the code on the other side. All right, last one. What about check-ins like Foursquare? Fun, niche product. There's a lot that can be built from yep. check-ins, but if it's just totally a check-in, there's not a lot of value. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Diane, for being my guest how today. About, how about then- Digital Influence Group? Oh, just having fantastic time. There we go. Great, great <laughs> job, brilliant CEO. If I ha- if I had a big marketing budget, I you know I'd sign him up right away. There we go, unscripted <laughs> folks in the flesh, Diane Hessen. All right, so. he did not pay me for that. <laughs> well, thank you, Diane, for being my guest today. Thanks to everyone in the audience for listening to the conversation. If you have any questions or would like to talk further about the topic of today's show, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Glenn Engler or on my blog at www.glennengler.com. And visit www.webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern Time on Tuesdays to tune into episodes of Market Edge. For Market Edge, this is Glenn Engler. Until next time, I'm out. <laughs>